Hi, and welcome to Cage Minds MMA Show. I'm Micah Frankel. The website is cageminds.com. Whether you're listening or watching, it's appreciated. Please like, share, and subscribe. Pick up the new merchandise, nmproshop.com. Easiest way to redirect you right to where you need to go. And you'll see the Cage Minds store. Click on it. Got hoodies, beanies, the original t-shirt, coffee mugs, all available. The support would be much appreciated. We got a lot to talk about today. So let's get to it. Let's go to last week and start off with the action. LFA 123, Bantamweight main event. Talked to him last week. And Dan Argetta promised us. He was going to inflict a beating on Marian Santos in the fashion like I saw him produce through the amateurs. Taking strikers, putting them on their back, demoralizing them, beating them down. Relentless takedowns, top pressure, that grind, that work ethic, it pays off and Argetta gets the TKO win. Still unbeaten, it's 7-0. That finishing rate is still incredible. And... It's either a title fight or the call-up to the UFC for the determined one. Co-main event, Askar Askar defeats Abramov. 29-28 across the board. Let, both landed big shots in the first round. Abramov got the takedown. That's probably his round. Second and third rounds, Askar got his jab working. Utilized his size to close the distance. Got the takedown. Held that top position back in the wing column, and looking incredible. Askar Askar, looking like a new fighter coming out of Factory X. Josh Streaker, it's a new weight class. He's down at 155. Drops Miguel Jacob twice in the first round. Overhand right was working. The second and third rounds were a little bit closer because you could see Jacob with a great resolve, no stop, big kicks, but Streaker kept controlling the distance, the exchanges, his hooks were coming from awkward angles, still clipping Miguel Jacob, and in the end, like we said, the unanimous decision goes in favor of Josh Streaker, now 2-0 at 155 pounds. Logan Nail, big knockout, got hit low, and after the break, reset, right hand, reset, right hook, knocking down. Halston Williams jumps on top. The ground and pound finishes for the TKO. Full results for LFA 123 up at cagemines.com. That was Friday night. Then we'll jump on over to Saturday. UFC Vegas 47 from the Apex. Sean Strickland, Jack Hermanson in the main event talking about top 10. It was number... Six and number seven in the middleweight division. Strickland, his jab, his overhand right, his right hook to the body, his teak kick leading up to the head kicks. Great work going on from Strickland all night. Hermanson, devastating leg kicks. Couldn't really get his hands going. Went oh far in the takedown department. The fight would go the distance. The fight was called a split decision. A little bit surprising. We're talking about 63-11 to 11 in head strikes landed in favor of Strickland. 38-0 to 0 according to the strike metrics in leg kicks in favor of Hermanson. Both did diligent work to the body. 
It was hard to see, though, with the continued forward pressure from Strickland giving much value to the Hermanson leg kicks that weren't damaging, that weren't impeding the pressure, and weren't changing the fight. I thought it was a clear win for Strickland. One judge did not feel the same. Thankfully, they got it right in the end. What was not the most exciting fight ever? Well, Strickland was barking at Hermanson to stay in the pocket, and possibly himself was taking himself out of the pocket in the last 30 seconds. We saw Strickland 100% takedown defense, still with this incredible offensive attack that Hermanson had no answer for. I am totally prepared to see what Sean Strickland Strickland looks like against the next level of competition. Moving into that top five, does he take on his training partner, Marvin Vittori, for the two of them to stay relevant? Does the winner of one of the fights that we're talking about this weekend possibly take on Strickland? I think there's a lot of promise and still a lot of talent. Did not get the finish here. May not have that one-punch knockout power, but he has a chin. He has cardio throws in volume. There's still a lot to like about what Sean Strickland did in a methodical fight. Even he said he was disappointed in much more colorful language with his output and his aggressiveness in the fight. It's now a six-fight win streak overall for Strickland, so everything keeps on moving up. In the co-main event, Nick Maximov defeats Puno Soriano by split decision. Himself, Maximov ate a knee, got busted open on the inside of his left eye near the bridge of his nose, spent the rest of that first round on Soriano's back, and was just stuck to Soriano for most of the rest of the fight, even looking like causing a knee injury in the third round when Soriano was trying to sprawl out on some takedown defense. Six takedowns, four and a half minutes of control time, took some damage, didn't deliver too much, but controlled and threatened and when all that we had to judge was the grappling, and Maximov was in control of that grappling, he gets the victory. It may have not, again, been the most action-packed fight, but a very young fighter, 24 years old, 8-0, a solid victory. Feature fight, <laughs> the most exciting prospect to come out of this card. Talked about it last week. Thought it was going to be this man. Shavkan Rachmanov gets the first round knockout of Carlston Harris. Rachmanov with the precision strikes, forcing Harris to swing wildly. A back kick to the liver from Rachmanov looked like they took the win right out of Harris. Harris, though, to his credit, cat-like balance, avoiding several body lock trip takedowns. Did get tossed, but scrambled back up. Eventually, we'd see Rachmanov with an out-of-nowhere spinning hook kick. Partially lands, but has enough on it to knock Harris to his backside. From over top comes the standing ground and pound, and a couple right hands tee off on the jaw. The second one putting Carl's light, Carlson's lights out. Brendan Allen takes a fight with Sam Alvey on day's notice. We're talking about on Tuesday taking the fight. Saturday he fights Alvey with a more active than normal first round. Looked like he was in control of that round until Allen gets a knockdown off of the right hand at the end of the round. Going to the body with the right up high with the left hook in the second. Scores the knockdown. Allen gets the choke arm under the neck. 
takes the back, no hooks in, gets the rear naked choke, and sends Alvy to a streak where he is winless in his last eight. A huge rebound for Brendan Allen from the loss to Chris Curtis. Brian Battle, Tresh and Gore, the run back of the ultimate fighter finale that never happened. First round, Brian Battle will push back, still through in volume, looked like Gore was looking for the perfect moment. Gore stuns Battle twice in the second round, goes for a deep ninja choke attempt. Battle is in survival mode, his right eye is swelling up dramatically. And then in the third round, we go back to the first round. Gore not able to find that moment, not able to get in range, constantly having to deflect and deal with the battle volume. It was 112 to 57 in landed strikes overall. First round, third round, go to battle. Brian Battle wins a unanimous decision. And much credit to gutting out the third round, where I'm sure he could honestly not see out of that right eye. Not, not that that would matter for any reason in combat sports. Uh, fight of the night opened up that main card. Julian Rosa, Steven Peterson. It goes to a split decision. Arosa cut Peterson under his left eye, busted his nose up in the first round. Peterson's teeing off with his right hand. No left side defense from Arosa, but Arosa does score a knockdown with a spinning back fist in the latter moments of that second round. Arosa in the third. The takedown escapes a guillotine. Big right hands from both, but Arosa comes away with two takedowns also in that third round to get the split decision. On the prelims, John Casaneda, heavy pressure. On top of Miles John, that was our featured prelim. It ends up being a technical submission finish. The heavy pressure, big right hands in the second and the third rounds. Hurts John, a knee up the middle for the knockdown in the third. John's on his left hip, trying to slide away. And Casaneda slides right on top, up, and into the arm triangle position to get the technical submission, putting Miles Johns to sleep. In featherweight competition, we saw Hakeem Dewanu against Mike Trezano. This was the best fight I have seen from Dewanu. A full 15 minutes, it's 141-70 in landed strikes. Trezano cut on his right cheek, busted up around his left eye, Dewanu ripping to the body, great teak kicks, low kicks. He looked fast in that jab, was stinging. In middleweight action, 16 seconds is all it took as Chidienja Kawani goes jab, overhand right, and takes out Mark Andre Berthrell. In women's bantamweight action, Alexis Davis gets three takedowns, escapes three arm bars, and outlands Juliana Storienko. 171 to 93, 43 to 4 in strikes on the ground, and that was nine minutes of top time from Alexis Davis. Impressive grappling. Halton Almeida takes Danilo Marcus to the ground. A double leg goes two on one, trying to grip the wrist behind Marks. Use that distraction to advance his way to mount and pounds out the finish quickly. Philip Rowe 
also with a big knockout of Jason Witt. Rowe gets off the bottom, got taken down four times, but would not quit scrambling. Straight right, left hook, straight right for the knockdown. Hammer fist, and that's back-to-back -back wins for Philip Rowe. Still 100% finishing rate. And the night kicked off with flyweight action. Malcolm Gordon defeating Denny's Bonnard. Gordon, double jab. Right hook, left hook, drops Bonner. Bonner in on a takedown. Arm bar from Gordon forces Bonner to escape. And it appears at that point we actually have a dislocated elbow from Bonner that he's fighting through. But we don't know that yet. They're back up and Bonner's clinching. Gordon with the wizard is able to take control. Switches the position against the fence. Gets the trip. They hit the ground. Bonner tries to post on his left arm. And the elbow fully pops out of place. Gordon with the head pressure forcing down Bonner. And we hear screaming. That's back-to-back -back wins for Malcolm Gordon. Kind of in nasty fashion. <laughs> Going to start off with some UFC fight announcements. UFC Fight Night on February 19th has added... At featherweight, Gabriel Benitez versus David Oana. UFC 272 on March 5th has seen an adjustment. Igor Pretoria is out, and Nick Nick Marianu will now be facing Kennedy Enjigwe, and that isn't light heavyweight action. UFC Fight Night on March 12th has added in welterweight action. Matt Semmelsberger versus AJ Fletcher. UFC Fight Night March 19th in London. Adds at lightweight, Mike Davis versus Jai Herbert. UFC Fight Night in Columbus on March 26th adds in heavyweight action, Alaire Latifi versus Alexia Lenik. That one's going to be full of grappling. UFC 273, April 9th, we're adding Anthony Hernandez versus Albert Durayev. That one at middleweight. Also, well, at welterweight, we have Ian Gary and Darian Weeks. UFC Fight Night on April 16th adds Malesic Bahadrasani versus TJ Laramie. That one is at featherweight. UFC Fight Night on April 23rd has a headliner. We're going to see number 10 rank women's straw weight Amanda Lemoyche. Welcome number one ranked at 125 pounds, back down 10 pounds. Jessica Andrade returning to strawweight, the former world champion. And in welterweight action, Sergey Kanhanzov versus Dwight Grant has been added. UFC Fight Night on April 30th adds Johan Linnaeus versus Gabe Green. That's at welterweight. And a women's strawweight bout that's rebooked for this card. We'll see Luana Pinero versus Jessica Penne. UFC 274. On May 7th, adds number 13 ranked heavyweight Blagoy Ivanov against Brazilian Marcos Rogério de Lima. That card is also gained at flyweight Kedison Harigas versus CJ Varga. UFC Fight Night on May 14th, adds Frank Camacho versus Miguel Torres at lightweight and Jamal Emers versus Daniel Pineda at featherweight. UFC May 21st Fight Night event is expected to be headlined by a top 5 women's bantamweight matchup where number 2 ranked Holly Holm will take on the number 5 ranked Caitlin Vieira. And that card is also gained Alexander Gustafson at heavyweight against 
Ben Rothwell. The UFC 279, uh, the UFC 273 card for April 9th is expected to take place at the Vistar Arena in Jacksonville, Florida. In Bellator news, the promotion has added to the depths of their light heavyweight division, signing 13-3 Maja Razonski. LFA news, LFA 125 has been announced for February 25th, Niagara Falls, New York. Women's strawweight title fight in the main event, Jacqueline Amore versus Lavette Young. And then LFA 126 announced for March 11th, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. The event will feature two world title fights. And LFA returns to America, Los Angeles, California for LFA 127 on March 25th. A middleweight title fight will be the main event of that card. PFL news. PFL has announced their Challenger Series. Continue announcement for that series. Week 4 featuring featherweights including LFA vet Edwin Cooper Jr. Week 5 features the lightweights and week 6 March 25th will feature the heavyweights including UFC vet Bavon Lewis and former LFA champion Brett Martin. Cut. This week's action gets started early Friday morning. One championship bad blood Bantamweight world title fight in the main event. Submission ace Brazil's Bibiano Fernandes taking on fellow countryman John Hands of Stone Lineker. Grappler versus vicious knockout artist in that one. The co-main event is an interim one Super Series kickboxing light heavyweight title bout. Ant- Antoli Malinkov taking on Kirill Grishenko. You also have bantamweight action featuring Jonathan Haggerty, flyweight MMA action featuring Gustavo Ballart, and of survivor fame and former legacy and LFA fighter B. Win. Friday continues on UFC Fight Pass with a whole host of events. Fury FC 57 going down. You have a featherweight world title fight in the main event there. Andreas the Bully Quintana. Interview up with him at CageMinds.com. Taking on Hussan Aliv. The undercard features Contender Series alum Diego Lopes. Tough 27s Delani Perry. UFC vet Boston Salmons. UFC MPFL vet Bobby Moffitt. He's taking on Big Show vet Charles Cheeks. And you also have dynamic striker Kyle Estrada. That Fury FC 57 card quite stacked. You also have Showtime FC 1, Anthony Pettis' first show on UFC Fight Pass. Lightweight main event, Ago Husik against Ignacio Capella. And in featherweight action for the co-main event, you got Jacob Kilburn versus Lucas Alexander. I believe you got a couple big show vets popping up on that one too. Also on Fight Pass, Lux 20, Marco Beltran versus Francesco Patron Monzo. That's a bantamweight title fight in the main event. And Edgar Garcia Caioba versus Eric Silva is a featherweight title co-main event. Friday night, then you also have LFA 124 on UFC Fight Pass. 
flyweight main event, Jussier Formiga against Felipe Bones. The two Brazilians are both tremendous on the mat. Formiga, 10 wins by submission. Bones, 8. Don't forget, Formiga, before flyweight was cool in the UFC, was the consensus number one in the weight class. Looks to get back on track. Left the UFC after a three-fight skid. We'll see what he has left in the tank Friday night. Co-main event is also at 125 pounds. Unbeaten Clayton Carpenter takes on Winston Ramos. Both of them, three first-round finishes. When you're talking about Carpenter, it's two by head kick and one by knee bar. Ramos, three first-round finishes. One by TKO, two by rear naked choke. You also have ambient fighters James Wilson, Waldo Cortez Acosta, and Casey Tanner on the main card. Another fight to highlight on that main card at lightweight Austin Verms. Back to back first round armbar victories, taking on unbeaten Jacoby Jones, a lightweight player, comes out of that fight. That leads us up to Saturday night and the UFC, UFC 271. It's on pay-per-view. It's taking place at the Toyota Center in Houston, Texas. Middleweight world title rematch. Israel Adesanya defending against Robert Whitaker. Adesanya, just the raw stats, comes in with 4-inch height advantage and a 6.5-inch reach advantage. Not to mention the mental advantage of having knocked out Whitaker in the first encounter. How much different is Whitaker? How much has he changed his game? How much has he dialed back the aggression and the anger, the hostility that he felt cost him against Adesanya? Was he too burnt out? The UFC was running a ragged pace at that point. Adesanya knows what we're talking about. Adesanya has 15 of his 21 wins by knockout. Whitaker, 9 of his 23 with 5 wins by submission. So 14 finishes to 15 finishes. Adesanya and Whitaker, when we're talking about the striking activity, Adesanya, 3.94 strikes landed per minute. Whitaker, 4.68. Adesanya with a striking accuracy of 50%. Whitaker, a bit lower, 41%. Strikes absorbed. Adesanya, very hard to hit, 2.59 strikes per minute absorbed. Whitaker, a bit higher at 3.34. Defensively, though, they're both at a level of wizardry, 62 and 61% defense. They're not hit often or not hit cleanly often, even though you do see Whitaker absorb more strikes. And I think that's a perpetuation of the fact that Whitaker will get into the fire and fight in the pocket a little bit more. Not to mention that you've seen Adesanya in his last couple fights against Acosta and against... Vittori really be able to dictate the fight off of his leg kicks and that will take down his absorption numbers quite low as nothing happened. And even to the Jan Blachowicz fight, it was a lot of top control, not this overwhelming ground and pound beating. So still those numbers will land in the favor of Adesanya. Both fighters have an impeccable takedown defense of 80%. Whitaker, though, will shoot at least one time around. He's a little bit more willing to mix up the game where Adesanya is resound to sprawl and brawl, and he will threaten with great submissions. How much has Whitaker changed? 
He's definitely slowed things down. He definitely has put together, I'd say, almost a Valentina Shevchenko-like plan. It's not that he does what she does. It's that Valentina knows who she is. She has recognized what she is good at, has put together an arsenal of weapons that works for her. Her body kick, her right hand, she knows what she wants to go to. And there's just so many buttons on the controller. Too many things, too many options may be a bad thing. Whitaker with his leg kick, his body kick, the high kick that follows behind the punches, the way he's set up, he knows what he wants to do. Will that be, though, a detriment that Adesanya is going to know what to look for? If you look at the fight that Adesanya took the most damage in, it was against Kelvin Gastelum. I think that there are bits and pieces of what Gastelum did well that Whitaker could employ. He's going to have to be able to get on the inside. He's going to have to throw in combinations, and he's going to have to give multiple targets of attack for Adesanya to be consumed with, hoping that something will land clean. You have to get by that massive reach advantage. That's not something that Whitaker's had to deal with on his way back up to the title. He was able to dictate against Till, against Gastelum, against Cannoneer. It's not going to be so simple. It's going to be a 10th level, next level chess match trying to get on the inside of Israel Adesanya. Now we know that both of these guys slide in and out of range. They are both able to pop, stick, move, and dictate the terms of engagement. Who is able to get off more will mean so much in this fight. I think that it will speak volumes of Whitaker not fighting angry this time, coming in with a more composed game plan. The leg kicks are going to be crucial. How does Whitaker defend against those leg kicks? It's been the litmus test. You have to try to get by those leg kicks to get to the next level of attacking Adesanya. And as we said, Acosta and Vittori were not able to get into that range. Once you get into that range, there's a much better opportunity for success. If you're Whitaker, you have to make this fight dirty. If you're Adesanya, you're looking to dictate this fight with your jab. It's so hard to dictate anything to Adesanya. You have to try to keep him on your back foot because if he's not all the way on the back foot and you're coming in, he's an incredible counter striker. He can lead the dance and dictate with his jab. He can dissect you with leg kicks. He can go southpaw or orthodox. This is going to be one of the highest level striking matches that we've seen ever in the middleweight division. I'm truly intrigued to see which man gets this done. Adesanya, at 185, outside of the Gastelum fight, has been unhittable. Put Whitaker on skates and made an example out of him the first time around. But this isn't the first time around Whitaker. This is a guy who's really perfected what he's good at and has also seemed to be revitalized from not the rapid schedule of defending the title. It's a whole new ball game, ball game coming into this fight. And I had pitched it last week that the winner of Strickland versus Hermansa was right in the thick of the title mix. If Whitaker gets a victory here, are we heading towards a trilogy? That may be dictated on what happens in the feature fight. But before we get there, we should talk about the co-main event because we got heavyweights about to bomb away on each other. It almost feels like there is no possibility that this one could be boring. I know we've seen Derek Lewis in a boring fight with Francis Ngannou before, but that was old Derek Lewis. He's healthier. He's more agile. 
He also recognizes his potential to earn and make an impact right now. And we've seen a different Derek Lewis since that point. Lewis has won five of the last six. He has 21 knockouts. The knockout king coming off of that vicious knockout of Chris Dawkins. The big head kick that made Dawkins go back to the cage, made him engage in the brawl, able to land the big right hand. Tui Vasa on the other side comes in with 12 knockouts, a four-fight win streak. Three of them, first-round knockouts. Two big boys throwing thunderous hammers at each other, and it's hard to not expect Derek Lewis to come out on top in his city, and a guy that you're more likely to rock to the body than we've seen him hurt upstairs. And it's hard to believe that anyone, even Francis Ngannou, throws as hard as Derek Lewis. At least that's coming from Curtis Blades. Feature fight is also in the middleweight division, number three versus number four. We're talking about Jared Cannonier, 14 and 5, nine knockouts, two submissions, taking on number four, Derek Brunson, 23 and 7, 12 knockouts, four submissions. Brunson, a five fight win streak, wins over Ian Heinrichs, Edmund Shabazian, Kevin Holland, and Darren Till. Jared Cannonier has won four of his last five. Had the big TKO of Jack Hermanson and a decision win over Kelvin Gastelum, rebounding from the loss to Robert Whitaker. So far, since moving down to middleweight, we haven't seen the wrestling tested of Cannoneer, and Brunson definitely will do that. That's going to be his plan. Brunson shoots over three times per 15 minutes, is constantly looking for that takedown. He only lands it with a 34% accuracy, but does not get deterred. He's definitely going to put Cannoneer's 62% takedown defense to the test. Now, as we look at strikes landed per minute, they're quite even. Cannoneer at 3.6, while Brunson's at 3.45. Now, I don't wonder how many of those are ground and pound strikes, because strikes absorbed, it's like 3.19 for Cannoneer, while Brunson only absorbs 2.68. I'm feeling like that's also some of that being on top. Striking defense, Cannoneer gets out of the way. 64% striking defense. Will Brunson, 53%. I really feel like this fight does come down to can Cannoneer stuff the Brunson takedowns? How hard does Brunson make Cannoneer work in those moments? Because I do believe that Brunson will have the deeper gas tank and be able to press this. So if we see an early finish, I'm kind of liking Cannoneer. That power that came with him from heavyweight, where Brunson, who has been able to ground and pound most of these recent victories in his favor, must rely again on the wrestling and getting on top. Also on the main card, we got Kyler Phillips versus Marcelo Rojo. That one should be a banger on the feet. Let's just say it right there. Kyler Phillips looking to do something stylistically spectacular. He lost that prospect label. Rojo, we know the Argentine is all aggression. In the lightweight division, Bobby Green takes on Nasserat Haraquest. Green coming in off of the knockout of Al Iaquinta Haraquest beat Alex Munoz, Rafa Garcia's before a loss to Dan Hooker. Both of these guys like to strike and come in landing over five strikes per minute, so they're highly active. Bobby Green, you know that slick defense. If he can see it coming, he's going to make you pay. 
on the prelims. In the feature prelim, we got heavyweights. The veteran, the former world champion, Andre Arlovsky, takes on Jared Vandera. This looks like one of those cases of where Vandera cannot get on the inside and get his takedowns. He's going to have a long night trying to out-veteran and out-think. And Andre Arlovsky, who can get on his feet, use his jab, use that leg kick, or even mix up his sambo and get the takedowns. We'll see what way, which way the former champion goes. In her retirement fight, Roxanne Mataferi is going to take on unbeaten Casey O'Neill. Mataferi's last win was the decision over Andrea Lee. O'Neill, 3-0 in the UFC, coming off of a TKO of Antonina Shevchenko. A striker with a coming-along ground game in O'Neill. In men's flyweight action, a rebooking of a fight that was supposed to happen at UFC 269. Number 9-ranked Matt Schnell against number 4-ranked Alex Pettis. Pettis fighting for the first time since shooting into the... Divas and Figure 8 guillotine. He's won three of his last four, and 12 of his 24 wins are finishes. An ultra-aggressive wrestler. Well, Schnell has won five of his last seven. 66% finishing rate. That's 10 finishes. These guys go after it. Light heavyweight division. William Knight's jumping in on short notice to take on Maxine Grisham. Both are big finishers here. Grisham, I think, is going to look to try to utilize his grappling well, William Knight, we've seen it. He's going to look to bomb away. A big puncher on the early prelims. Love this fight. Ronnie Lawrence, 7-1, taking on Mano Martinez, 9-2. Lawrence, four knockouts, a four-fight win streak, coming in off of a third-round TKO of Vince Cachera. Well, Martinez, eight of his nine wins are by knockout. He's on a three-fight win streak. It was a split decision over Guido Canetti to get his Octagon debut victory. In the lightweight division, Alexander Hernandez takes on Hanato Moicano. Hernandez, 4-2 and two in six fights in the UFC. Three first-round wins by knockout. An explosive striker. I mean, a fast burst, a heavy punch. He gets it done and gets it done quickly. Well, Hanato Moicano... He had fought for a long time on 145. Since coming up to 55, he's 2-1, both wins by rear naked choke, and he has 8 of his 15 by submission. In the lightweight division, Fabio Charant, talented grappler. He looks to strike, but literally, when the guy gets it down to the ground, the submissions open up. He takes on New Zealand striker Carlos Olberg. Three wins, all by knockout. In the middleweight division, A.J. Dobson had a contender series rear naked choke to earn his UFC contract. Takes down uh, Jacob Malkoon. Malkoon, last time we saw him in the octagon, beat Razak Ahasan by unanimous decision. And then opening up the card, Jeremiah Wells versus Mike Mathena. Mathena has a 3-0 record. Wells... Former CFFC welterweight champion, multitude of skills. Oh, I also forgot to mention in the bantamweight division, Douglas Silva de Andrade, 27 wins, 20 knockouts, takes on Sergey Morozov, 17 wins, 8 by knockout. I'm telling you, that one, they're throwing down big time. It's a fun night of fights. We got six 
early fights on the fight pass prelims. You got the four pack of middle prelims, and then you got that spectacular main card. Also pivotal night for the middleweight division. Whitaker wins. Looking at a trilogy fight. Maybe Sean Strickland ends up fighting Marvin Vittori. Maybe Sean Strickland ends up fighting the Jared Cannonier Derek Brunson winner. If the Derek Brunson Jared Cannonier winner wants a title fight, they're going to have to do it in spectacular fashion. Because Israel Adesanya could be looking for another opponent, the next man to come challenge his throne, or we could be heading towards an epic trilogy after Saturday night. UFC 271, I'm going to be there live. Also thankful for that. Hopefully we're going to get as exciting night as I'm expecting. Keep up with Cage Minds across social media for all the content we're posting this week. That's Cage Minds Combat Sports News on Facebook, at Cage Minds underscore CSN on Instagram, at Cage Minds MMA on Twitter. My Twitter is at FrankoMica. The YouTube is Cage Minds MMA Show. The podcast, Cage Minds, where we put up all the videos or all the audio from the video interviews can be found wherever you find your favorite podcast. Again, thanks for watching. Hit like or like and subscribe whether you're watching or listening. It's all appreciated. Have a good week. Thanks for watching.